the more that you kind of get into this world, the more people that you're around and that you're introduced to. And it's good, but it can also be confusing because you see this person over here having success with, let's say, memberships, or this person is doing podcasting really well. This person is killing it with books. This other guy is killing it with coaching and speaking. And you sort of feel this guilt because you're not doing all those same kinds of things. So I think at some point you have to kind of like pick one person who is a lot further down the road than you and look at that person and go, okay, that's kind of the business that I want to try and build. Welcome to the Creative Tax Podcast with Mike Brennan. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artists, makers, and content creators, where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram, I'm at Mike Bone, or on my website, which is MikeBrennan.me. Hey, I'd love for you to stop by DailyCreativeHabit.com. I've created several resources with you in mind as a creative person. First, there's a link to our free private Facebook group called Daily Creative Habit. It is filled with creatives of all types who have raised their hands to say, I want to show up more consistently for my creativity and craft. And so if that's you, we would love to see you as part of this group. There's also a link to receive our free Daily Creative Habit email newsletter. This goes out twice a week and is filled with resources and inspiration and daily prompts for you as a creative person to make sure that you keep showing up every single day for your creativity. And lastly, there's a link out to the new Daily Creative Habit Guided Creativity Journal. And this is something that I'm really excited about because it's a 90-day journey that you can go on that guides you to plan and show up for your creativity and help you track and help you measure and figure out exactly what it is that you want to do and how you want to do it. This is available right now through Amazon.com. I had an amazing conversation with my friend Kent Sanders. He is a ghostwriter and has a community that is for writers where he's encouraging writers to show up daily and to write, to do the work. And so there's a lot of overlap in our interests and areas. And um, we just have a great time talking about uh, the contextualization of that. You know, me coming from the visual art background and him coming from a writer background, but really the importance of habits and routines, the importance of finding great role models who are down the road for you, not only in creativity, but in setting up a creative business and just some of the pitfalls to look out for. So this episode is packed with great insights and tips. Uh, Kent is a great guy. I know you're going to love this episode and want to be sure to follow him. And if you are a writer, I encourage you to get in his community, listen to his podcast, and um, he just has some great things to share. And so without further ado, here is my creative chat with Kent Sanders. Hey, Kent, welcome to the Creative Chats podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, sir. It's good to be here. I appreciate the invitation. And I am thrilled to chat with you about creativity and whatever other kind of stuff comes up today. So thank you. Yes, yes. And uh, I love that, you know, we've been traveling in similar circles for a while now and just more recently had the opportunity to connect a little bit closer. And um, just the the little bit that we've spoken previously, I know that there's a lot of things that we're aligned on. And uh, I'm excited to dive into your story and just creativity and the things you're doing and how you're showing up and serving. So cool. Um, excited to chat about it. Yeah. So you 
primarily, you know, identify yourself as a ghost writer. Uh, and then you have some other things that we'll talk about that you do as well that serve other creative people and um, specifically writers. But um, I'm just curious, like, in terms of ghost writing, right? Like, so how do you actually talk about that? Because it, isn't it the kind of thing where usually if somebody's ghost writing something, it's like, well, you're the ghost, right? You're not supposed to be known that you're writing certain right. things. Or is that like kind of a false notion? Well, there's a couple answers to that. And that's a really good question, actually. So I talk a lot about ghostwriting in generalities. For example, I may say I'm working on a business book on neurodiversity, which is actually a business book I'm working on now. Or I'm working on a business book related to um, how business people can be more creative in the way that they think, which is actually a book that I'm working on right now. <clears throat> Sometimes, though, depending on how you contract with the client, my name will be on the book or won't be on the book or, or whatever kind of arrangement we come to. Uh, for example, with the book, The Faith of Elvis, that came out last October, I contracted for my name to be on the cover. So it says Billy Stanley, who's was Elvis's stepbrother, with Kent Sanders. And that's just something we agreed to in the process of figuring out the, the details of the book. So it is, it is interesting, though, because I think that is changing somewhat, whereas in the past... It used to be considered something that people didn't talk about. If they used a writer, mm -hmm. it was considered, well, we don't really want anybody to know about it or or whatever. And ghostwriting was a very secretive kind of a thing. Whereas I think it's more common now. And in fact, there is an element of the business community where it's kind of seen as a status symbol if you used a ghostwriter. For example, we saw that with Prince Harry's recent book. He was very open about the fact that he used a writer for it. And I think the book was probably a lot better because of it. Now, I'd, I've read little snippets of it, and it seems to be really well written. But and I kind of agree with that sentiment where, you know, if writing is not really your main thing, then wouldn't you, wouldn't you want to use a writer? And why would you be ashamed to let people know that you used a writer? I mean... I, I have somebody help me with my social media stuff for my daily writer brand. I make no bones about it. I'm like, man, if you need to have help, there's no shame in that. Mm -hmm. I think whatever it takes to put the best product out there. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think the landscape is changing somewhat. It's interesting because like even I think in terms of people's perception of what ghostwriting even is, right? Some people might think, well, like you're writing the whole entire thing and somebody else is just putting their name on it. Um and then there's Which is pretty the, rare. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to yeah. know. Um, and then there's probably more what's common where, where it's somebody has something they want to say, a message or or some kind of framework or something, but they're just, they need help in mm -hmm. presenting it in a way that's more cohesive and accessible for people totally. so that there's some kind of stream of normal um, reading rhythm and, and uh, you know, layout, I suppose, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's interesting just even having this as, as a, a concept and, and talking about this and, and that that it is becoming more widely used and widely accepted. Um, I think that's a great thing because even as we see like, you know, while the rage right now is, is you know, AI, you know, the chat yeah. thing. Um, uh, I forget what the exact name is, but there's several of them anyway. But yeah. um, just even those kind of things coming to light and people just talking more openly about 
how they're writing, what they're using, what's happening behind the scenes, where mm -hmm. so much of that stuff used to be tucked away and you would just see the final product, right? Yeah. Um, have you seen that like impact your work in, in with the, you know, the clients that you're using or how you're sharing about the work that you're doing? Like, how has that impacted you? Do you mean specifically AI and those kind of things? Well, I just mean there could be that portion of it, but also like the fact that things are more open now and people are sharing more behind the scenes type stuff. Yeah. So in fact, I've got, that's a good question. I've got one client now. This is actually the, I talked about a minute ago, a book that I'm working on where it's about creativity in the business realm. Mm -hmm. So actually with that book, um, I did not contract to have my name on that book cover with that particular client. But in the process of us working on the book together, he was very adamant that he actually wanted my name on the book because one of the themes that we talk about in the book is collaboration. And so he felt really strongly that, hey, we should be really open about the fact that I'm working with a ghostwriter on this book. So my name's going to end up being on the cover of the book, which I'm excited about because then I can talk more openly about it and I can promote it to my audience as well. So I don't think there's any downside of having, uh, of letting people know that you used a writer. I mean, mm -hmm. I guess in some sense, maybe in some circles that would be frowned upon, but I don't, for most people, I don't really see a downside to that. I think the nature of creative work is that it's collaborative. Right. And, you know, when you go to the movies, even though you might see a Steven Spielberg movie, or a Steven Spielberg film, you know, if he was the director, you know that he wasn't the only person that was behind the creation of that movie. There was hundreds or thousands of people. So I think it's just kind of time we also just really be really honest about how books are actually made. Books are the product of a number of people. Hmm. You have the editor, of course, you have the graphic designer, you have the layout person. If you work with a publisher, you have multiple editors and a design team and all kinds of PR and marketing people. So the success of a book isn't just the result of one person. It's always the result of at least two or three or four people at, at the least, I would think. Yeah. So, and I think that's a good thing. You know, the collaboration just makes stuff better. Absolutely. Yeah. Because people are always going to be able to bring skill sets that you don't have and a perspective or something that you don't have. Um, and, and also totally. when you bounce ideas off of each other, it, it's a lot more, um, you get to, to a lot more creative results than you would if you were just sitting by yourself with yeah. your own confines and thinking like, okay, here's what's influencing me today, or here are the, here's how I'm feeling. And maybe it's, you know, influencing my thoughts. Um, it kind of breaks yeah. you out of that. So totally agree. Um, so I'm curious, like, this is what you're doing and have been doing for a little while. Is this something that you set out to do? Did you stumble into this by accident? Did it morph into this? Like, what did your journey to this place look like? <laughs> this, it's the same for me as it is for almost every ghostwriter that you talk to, because I've never heard anybody say they set out in life to be a ghostwriter. Nobody sat around, you know, at the lunch table when their friends were saying, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be an actor or a baseball player. There's nobody who ever says, I want to be a ghostwriter. That's just not something that ever happens. But I think a lot of people just like me fall into this kind of work because you want to have your own business. You have some writing skills. You enjoy the process of working with clients. You enjoy writing. And ghostwriting is kind of a natural way to bring all those things to bear into one career. Now, myself, I've also chosen to have other things on the side like I do a writing membership. I have my own books. I do a podcast. 
because I enjoy that side of things also. I think I would be really unhappy if I was just doing client work mm -hmm. and just writing for other people. I've got a lot of stuff I want to say myself, but I find that the stuff I learned from doing client books, I then apply to my own books. And then the things I learn from my own books and podcasts and membership group and other things that I'm doing, I can then help my clients with those things. To me, that's a really great balance because I think it's hard to advise clients on what it feels like to launch a book or how to deal with the fear that comes from putting a book out into the world. It's hard to do that if you haven't actually done that yourself. Right. So at least for me, I like having both sides of my business. It does make things more complicated. And, you know, most of the time I, I feel like I could be doing all those things better because I'm juggling multiple things. But I also think that's the nature of being an entrepreneur and a business owner is you have multiple plates that are spinning. You're, you're giving different attention to different things at different times. And I'm still very much in, in learning mode, but that's, that's kind of, kind of how I see it these mm -hmm. days. And I just realized I didn't in any way really answer your question. So, <laughs> well, maybe no, I should you, go into politics. <laughs> you did flesh out a little bit more of like what things look like. And, and um, one of the things I think that was really important that you stated also is knowing yourself enough where you need to have more than just the client work because there are things you want to yeah. say. And that's something that I experienced as well, because even when I was in staff positions where I was a designer, I was thinking to myself, you know, there are things that I want to create. There are things I want to say, but this isn't the right form, right? I'm not going to right. go to a client and be like, hey, I feel like expressing this and I'm going to use your project to do it. You know, they'd be like, no, right. I don't think so, buddy. You know, <laughs> and so the then what happens also is that you end up creating all day long for somebody else. You go home. Yep. The last thing you have energy for is to create something else yep. now for yourself. And so you end up in this trap cycle of showing up you're using your creativity and it's not exactly what you thought it would look like and you feel stuck because you know exactly. that you have things you want to say but you're not giving yourself a place to say them and yeah. so it i found that for me it was a place of frustration and tension and then i started to resent some of the stuff i was doing client wise you know because that's all i was doing and so I had to find that balance too of like, okay, there's the stuff definitely that's client-based where I'm helping solve some problems and there are other people's messaging, but then there's stuff that's like, I want to experiment with some things. I want to say some things. Exactly. I want to create some projects that have nothing to do with anything in other, any other category of my life right now at this moment, just because I want to see what it feels like to create that and get this thing out to the world and see where it can help and resonate with some other people. And so, um, I just want to reiterate the importance of that and figuring that out that that's important to you as a person too. Cause not everybody's wired like that. Right. Um, totally. some people are happy just kind of going and doing their thing and doing only client work or only doing their own, you know, projects. If, if that's something that can sustain them, you know, financially, mm -hmm. um, for sure. So I think it's important to have a model of what you're trying to build also. Yes. You know, all of us, whenever we get into to this, this type of thing where you have your own business or you're an entrepreneur, you're trying to just figure things out. And I think part of the difficulty is that there are so many models of how you can build a business like this. You can have any number of different kinds of services or products or ways that you structure your business. And the more that you kind of get into this world, the more people that you're around and that you're introduced to. And it's good, but it can also be confusing because you see this person over here having success with, 
let's say memberships, or this person is doing podcasting yeah. really well. This person is killing it with books. This other guy is killing it with coaching and speaking. And you sort of feel this guilt because you're not doing all those same kinds of things. So I think at some point you have to kind of like pick one person who is a lot further down the road than you and look at that person and go, okay, that's kind of the business that I want to try and build. You know, my personality is kind of like theirs. We have the same sort of impulses and I want to, to build kind of what they have. Mm-hmm. For me, that person is Ryan Holiday, the guy who does the Daily Stoic. He also does the Daily Dad, does a lot of cool stuff. And for me, he's been a really great model of, okay, here's a guy who's got a large platform, tons of books. He's a wonderful writer. He also has a membership. He has all these cool products. But yet he also still ghostwrites occasionally, mm. which I know sounds crazy. But somebody at his level, you never hear of still ghostwriting. But I knew that he had ghostwritten a book last year. And so I actually just emailed him and I said, Hey, I'm just kind of curious with all of your enormous success with the daily stoic. Why do you still do ghostwriting occasionally? And he wrote back and said, when something interests me, I do it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, my mind was just blown because he had been so successful with what he's doing with his own stuff that he, now he could be way more selective in what he was doing with his client projects. And I was like, that is exactly what I want to build. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, in those instances, hearing somebody else talk about their experience with that, it gives them the freedom, right? They, they're experiencing success in one area. It gives them mm-hmm. the freedom to be able to say, hey, I can be more exactly. choosy about the clients I want to work with or the projects that sound exactly. interesting to me. And I think ultimately that's probably what's most attractive to us creative people is having that creative freedom where we can follow our interests and follow the relationships that seem like they're aligned um, and work around those things as opposed to being handed something and going, mm-hmm. okay, here, work within this box. You know, um, yeah. there's certainly times when you need to work within the box. And, and I think it's um, necessary because sometimes constraints actually produce more creative results. Totally. Totally. But I think in terms of the overall vision of our creative life, Right. We want the the freedom to be able to do that. I mean, that's honestly why we're yeah. probably doing what we're doing. And my business is very similar to yours, where there are certain facets of things. And it's not just one thing that you do and only client work and only this or that. Right. Um, and it gives you the the flexibility and the the creativity to move in and out of those things. So I think yeah. it's awesome. One of the other things yeah, I too, to- though, totally agree. Totally agree. You you um, you know, you mentioned about looking to other people. I think I do want to note to that sometimes it's hard because when we're looking at other people, we don't really know what's happening in their journey either sometimes, right? And so we could be picking somebody who actually is unhappy with what it is that they're building or it's not really working, but from all perceptions, it looks like it's working. And so we, we have to exercise wisdom in who we examine to be a model for us as well. Um, Cause you know, they might have, uh, certain cer- circumstances that that are not ours, right? Let's say they look like they're really killing it in a certain way, and yet maybe you know it's it's financially not as stable as we think it is, or what it seems to be. But they have a spouse who is offsetting some of that, or they have some right. kind of other longer runway, <laughs> right? Exactly. It, and it I think you know a lot more than people admit. Yes, and I think that's that's the thing that like it's kind of like the little secret underneath the surface of this stuff and can really make somebody feel like they're lesser than or 
doing something really wrong in their own journey if they're experiencing some of those trials and tribulations of like, wow, you know, I have these setbacks or I have these certain set of parameters that are really difficult for me to navigate. And I'm looking at everybody else and it seems like everybody else, again, it's the highlight reel, right? Nobody's talking about the fact that, you know what, this is actually really hard. And sometimes there are, uh, you know, financial difficulties that are happening in the midst of this. And sometimes there are creative difficulties that are happening in the midst of this or relationship issues or whatever it is. Um, and, And I think just, just pausing to acknowledge that may give somebody a little sigh of relief to go, okay, I'm not like doing something severely wrong, but this is may actually be part of my journey. And I think that's okay. Right. Yeah. And part of all this too, I think is when you, when you embrace this life of being a business owner, particularly in the kind of things that we do that are more online based and we can work from anywhere and and we have Mm -hmm. location freedom and all that stuff. You know, it sounds very attractive on paper and, and there are aspects of it that are cool. But part of what we have to realize when we, when we sign up for this is a, a big part of this is that you don't always have correct answers for things. Sometimes there is no correct answer. Yeah. You know, if you if you want the universe to tell you, okay, this is the exact kind of business you should have. This is what you need to do next. Da, 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 da. If you talk to three different business coaches, they may give you three completely different answers. But the reason is because they're speaking from their experience. Mm-hmm. So there's an element to this where you have to be comfortable with the uncertainty and not always having answers. And I guess that's just part of leadership in general. It would be the same thing if you were running a company mm-hmm. of some kind. I mean, this is just it's just basic leadership, I guess. But this is all still relatively new to me because I spent a long time as a pastor and then as a college professor. And the whole world of academia is baked this whole idea of predictability and certainty and schedules, that's all very much baked into the academic the academic life. So I'm still kind of getting used to this idea of, you know, nobody can really tell you the answer of when you should release the next product or what you should do for your next product mm-hmm. or should you start a mastermind or whatever. You just have to kind of be willing to embrace that uncertainty. Yeah, yeah, that is so true. And, you know, it's almost like <laughs> the... the um Again, a secret part of what happens behind the scenes in some of the stuff, I think, uh, especially yeah. with some of the bigger people not necessarily sharing that part of their journey. Um, and everybody's different. You know, you have to have your certain um, comfortability with being vulnerable like that, of course. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it's important that we're having this conversation even today, um, again, because, you know, so much of this is actually creativity also applied in a different area, right? It's yeah not necessarily on the craft of what it is that we're making or the service we're providing, but it's actually in the life that we're building and the business that we're building. Yeah. And we're saying there are all these creative options of, like you mentioned, you know, maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's a mastermind, maybe it's, you know, whatever um, type of, of, of community that we want to try to build. Um, and it could be, or maybe it's not, and maybe it's not the right timing on certain things too, right? Where I found, you know, I've tried to launch certain things and I was like, oh, so I'm launching this and either A, I haven't asked enough questions Mm. and I'm creating something that nobody really wants or B, you know, I don't have the community yet to really support that idea um, because my reach is a little bit more limited. Whereas if I had done it, you know, today, as opposed to, you know, three, four years ago, I'd have different results. And so even trying to navigate those things thinking about it in terms of a creative approach of going, 
what what's the creative brief here, if you will, right? <laughs> and then how do I apply that? And it's hard because we're so close to it. You know, it's our own, yeah. it's our own life, it's our own business, right? Um, so, you know, I love that you're you're sharing some of that as well to go, yeah, you know what, like, this is all part of the journey. It's windy, you know, it's like, like that, that knotted up twine, you know, illustration that we always see of like, that's, it's not always up and to the right. It's, it's kind of more um, intermingled, you know. It is. And, you know, if, if I were just being really honest, which I guess I'm going to be, you know, there are things that I miss about being a college professor that I really do. I miss mm -hmm. having a place to go where I know there are people who I know and like and who I can chit chat with in the halls and say, Hey, and I can, how was your weekend or how was this yeah. or that? Uh, I miss going to class with college students. I miss all those elements of that life. Now I've tried to replicate some of those things like, the office I'm sitting in right now, I've been in here for two, three weeks. I started renting a local office just down the street from where I live. And I absolutely love it because now I, it's like the anti-entrepreneur thing almost where, you know, everybody gets so enamored with working from home and all this stuff. And after a couple of years, I was like, I don't want to work from home anymore. Like, I've got to get out of this place or I'm going to go berserk. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm, you know, paying money every month to rent an office because now I can pack up my stuff and I can drive down the street and I can go to work. And it kind of feels like my old life in a sense. For me, that's what I need right now. Not everybody should probably do that, but, but yeah, yeah that, that's, that's was really an important thing for me. And I think we have to be honest about what's working for us right now and what's not working and be willing to make a transition if it's not working. Yeah. It's funny because I've been observing even in myself certain routines and habits that I think are really important that I didn't realize were as important until maybe I had a week where, you know, some things were off track a little bit. And then you start to feel like almost like dysregulated, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where you're like, oh, I'm not in a place where I'm naturally bumping into people and having conversations like I would typically. Or you know, for me, a certain set schedule to go to the gym or something where I know I'm moving my body and getting that, mm -hmm. you know, um, experience. And it, there's so many of those things that I had set up and not necessarily, and you know, when you're working for yourself and you have projects and you're, you're kind of, your schedule can be a little all over the place, right? When you're doing yeah. what we do. And so to have these moments where you're almost like putting stakes in the ground to go, okay, I know this time I'm going to do this and this time I'm going to do that. And then things flow around those things. Um, that's a, that's better. I find for myself to know I have those anchor points, um, yeah. and specifically even habits and things. And for you to pick up and go to the office and have this sense of like, you know, you're doing your work there. And I'm sure that of course it's probably difficult, but when you close the door there and then you head home, you know, technically that's the like, okay, I'm leaving the the work environment now going into the yeah. home environment, right? Um, it may seem silly, but even that to have that signify in your brain to go, there's a there's a a, a boundary here, I guess, right? Yeah. What yeah, the boundary has been really, really important for me because there yeah. were, you know, when you're working from home. So my son is is 18. He'll be 19 in like three or four months, which sounds weird. He's out of high school. He's pretty self-sufficient. He works almost full-time. He still lives at home. When he was seven, that was different. Now, it's just, I don't, you know, I don't have a little kid that, that it's it's different having little kids at home than it is having, you know, an older teenager. Mm -hmm. So the past couple of years, it was very easy for me just to be like, hey, if my wife was busy doing something, I would just work till nine or 10 or 11 or 12 at night. 
because I like my work. But if you, when you do that kind of thing for, you know, a couple of years, day after day, and don't take all the time off that you need, it really starts to wear on you. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, for me, having an office has been, it's been like a game changer. Mm, yeah. And being that we're talking kind of about like routines and, and habits and, and things, right? I think that that segues nicely into talking about, you know, writing daily, right? This habit of writing. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the community and your podcast and kind of where this idea of writing daily came from? Sure. Well, um, it really came from two places. One one place that it came from was my own frustration and my own lack of success with writing. And I know that sounds weird because my whole business is based around writing. And that that's to an extent the persona that I try to project also, because I think we have to kind of pick and choose what we put out there online. You know, I you don't want to be the person who's like projecting 15 different things. I think it's right. good to be focused and say, this is kind of like the main thing that I talk about. For me, that's writing. And I noticed Three or four years ago, I was really frustrated at my own lack of success with my book publishing schedule, with my writing. And I was like, what, what's the deal here? I know the steps to take. I've written a couple of books, but I feel I just feel kind of stuck. And I noticed that it came down to the fact that I just wasn't writing on a regular basis, which I know sounds crazy to kind of have that realization, but sometimes we don't we don't see our own blind spots, mm-hmm. even though they're so obvious to, to everybody else. So I was like, oh. Really, it kind of comes down to this, this thing of writing every day or writing most days, whatever phrase you want to put on it. And I also became kind of frustrated because I saw a lot of material out there that was being produced about uh, book marketing and book promos and growing your writing business and doing all these marketing things, which are great and they're necessary and they're important. But if you're not actually producing the books, then all of that doesn't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't notice nearly as much stuff out there on just a daily writing habit as there was about book marketing stuff. And I was like, hmm, that's weird. Maybe it's because book marketing is a sexier topic or it's more exciting. You know, when you talk about something that's like a daily routine or a habit, that doesn't seem as exciting. But for mm-hmm. me, that became a core principle of, okay, this is what I need to do to become more successful with this. Now, this the other thing that happened was... <clears throat> I was going to redo my podcast, um, but I wanted to do something that was writing focused. And at the same time, I was also reading through the Daily Stoic book by Ryan Holiday. And one day I was reading that and I just thought, man, this is so cool. It's like a daily meditation thing on stoicism and you know self-control and all these kinds of elements that he talks about. Why isn't there something cool like this for writers? And Mike, you've probably had this, these kind of moments too, where you go, oh, mm-hmm. dang it. This means I'm going to create it. <laughs> yes. And it was literally like a light bulb went off and I thought, oh man, I love this idea of the daily writer. So I completely ripped off this concept from Mr. Ryan Holiday. Uh, and there's other kinds of daily sort of things out there as well. So it wasn't just ripping it off from him, but, but I just kind of took what I was learning from him and applied it to writers as well as my own frustration of not having as much success as I wanted. And that's really where my daily writer podcast came out of. And around the same time, a couple of years ago, I started this group that I run called the daily writer club, which is all, it's all about helping people build better habits and grow their writing based business to learn, to learn how to market. Uh, we talk some about client work in there. So really all the, all the stuff I do is based around 
about around writing. And I love this concept of just having a daily habit where mm-hmm. you're getting in there every day, you're making a little bit of progress. And before long, you've made a lot of progress because you put in the work every day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things that that I find I have to be in those conversations too, right? Coming from a daily creative habit side where it's mm-hmm. visual art you know, is my background, totally. but really talking to any creative type of person um, is saying, you know, we so undervalue those small deposits mm-hmm. and nobody likes the word practice because it seems lesser than it seems like yeah. the thing that you did when you were a kid like when you had to do something because you're like, oh, I have piano lessons. Well, I have to practice because if I don't practice yeah. and I show up for my piano lesson and I'm not prepared, I'm going to get reprimanded. Right. <laughs> so we kind of have this like already negative connotation, I think, to sometimes practice um, or yeah. that it's not the main show. It's the stuff that happens that like you kind of have like the warm ups and like whatever, but it's not really important. And I'm yeah. like, no, actually, it's it's incredibly important because that's the foundation and that's the whole thing that allows you actually to show up and be engaged. Because when you start to harness the rhythm of that and the momentum that happens, instead mm-hmm. of waiting for those huge moments of like, I have a whole weekend to just do whatever my creative, you know, creative expression is, um, that stuff never comes, first off. And we find ourselves flirting with our creativity instead of you know, committing to it on a regular basis, which then, like you said before, you're never going to have the book or you're never going to have whatever the creative project is finished if you don't show up and do it. And so to have those moments where you know you're showing up and then you can come to the end and say, yes, now I'm actually shipping the thing and getting it out into the world. Here's a launch. Um, that's, That's really how things happen. It's not like, let me just bang this out in a weekend and then we're done, right? <laughs> yeah, there are there are a lot of people out there who who have a who have whole platforms, in fact, on, you know, write your book in a weekend and those kind of things. And I, you know, can you write a book in a weekend? Yes, you can write a short book in a weekend. It's totally doable. You can write a draft of a book at least. Mm-hmm. But the vast majority of people cannot do that because you have to number one be, you have to really know what you're doing. You also have to be really motivated. You have to have a good book outline. You know, you have, you need to have already gone through all the pre-prep. You don't just sit down and stuff just comes out. Right. I mean, I guess it can, but it's not going to be very good unless you've thought about who's the market for this book and what's the purpose of the book and what's the audience, the audience transformation and all those kinds of things. But yeah, for most people doing it in these weekend blocks does not really work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm curious, what are the objections that you hear from people when you get into these conversations with them and say, you know what, it's it's really about showing up daily and making those deposits and writing every single day. Like, what are the things that that people go, well, here's my excuse. <laughs> Why this isn't going to work, you know? The number one thing is I don't have time. I mean, mm-hmm. far and away, above everything else, the people say I don't have time. And, um, you know, depending on on who it is and, and what kind of life they have and what their lifestyle is, um, that can be a real challenge. However, one of the people in my group is a young mother. She's in her early 30s. She has four little kids at home. And she just completed a draft of her book. I don't know how long the book is. I think it's like 30 or 40,000 words. And she's been working on it for a few months. So every day, she's just made a little bit of time at the end of the day to make a little bit more progress on her book. Yeah. So, And I'm like, guys, you know, in my group, I'm like, guys, you know, unless you have four little kids, and, um, you know, they're all sick or something. You don't really have an excuse. None mm-hmm. of us have an excuse. 
because if she can do it, all of us can do it, I promise. But people think they're they're so busy. But then I always ask, okay, how much time are you spending watching streaming shows or mm-hmm. doing this or that? I mean, it doesn't really take that long to draft a book if you just sit down and do it. Even if you just sit down in 15-minute chunks per day, you can actually have a book written in just a few months mm-hmm. if you just take you know 15 minutes a day. It's very, very doable. Yeah. What amount of the success do you think in terms of if somebody's actually going to be able to produce this book or, or whatever it is they're working on, do you think is it based on them looking at this in terms of like, this is a mission that I have that I want to, I'm really driven and, and committed to doing this particular project versus I'm committed to the process of showing up and writing every single day, but don't necessarily have an end goal project in mind. Well, I think you have to have some kind of an idea about what you're building. Otherwise, you're going to lose steam in the middle of it. No matter how committed or disciplined you are, if you're not interested or excited about the actual book you're writing, then I would go back to the drawing board and figure out why you're not excited about it. Mm-hmm. Really. I mean, if if I was working on a book that I was like, man, I just, why am I working on this thing? I don't really know what the point is. Then, I, And I have done this before. Actually, I've scrapped things and just thought, okay, I'm not excited about this. Maybe it's not the right time or this particular way that I'm framing this topic is not exciting to me or whatever the problem is. Hmm. But yeah, I think you have to have excitement and passion for it. But knowing that also, there are going to be a lot of days when you show up to work on it where you're not going to really feel that excited. It's going to feel like a slog. Mm -hmm. You're going to wonder why you're doing this in the first place. (laughs) So that's why it's important to have a really clear idea at the beginning of the project Who's the audience? How are you helping them? How does this book fit into your overall business? I think is really, really important. How does it fit into your life? What do you want this book to achieve for you over the next one, five or 10 years, whatever the timeline might be. But and once you have a clear idea of how this book fits into your life and what you want it to do for you, then it's easy to show up and do the work because you can kind of keep that big vision in mind. If you know if you know that you're working toward a goal that's really important to you and that's going to really help people, then it's easier to show up and do the work every day. If you if you don't know what the goal is or you're, you're, you don't have a clear vision for the book, then it's really easy to lose steam and just chuck it halfway through. I've done that mm-hmm. before. Yeah. Yeah. More than once. And there's a big difference between saying like, I want to be a consistent writer or I want to be a consistent artist or whatever your creative expression is where it's tied to the act of just creating the process, right? Yeah. Versus here's something that I actually want to create. That's, that's Mm -hmm. a a very specific project, Um, which I think is easier to then say, let's begin with the end in mind and work backwards so that we can Mm -hmm. set steps and measurable goals along the way. So we know that we're actually making some progress as opposed to this, I want to just be, you know, I want to be a writer. I want to be a painter. Well, okay, great. But what does that look like, right? Practically. Yeah. And this is where the rubber, and I'm sure you come across this too, Mike, and, and the people that you talk to, I feel like this is where the rubber kind of meets the road mm-hmm. because you have people who have the impulse to want to write creatively, or maybe they've always, as a kid, you know, maybe they dreamed of, I want to write a book someday and those kind of things. And I think that all those are great impulses, but there does come a time where, you bump up against the idea of, okay, creative writing is good, but at some point you have to create a product Mm -hmm. and you have to create a product that's marketable and it has a goal and it has an audience. And then you have to 
you have to stop thinking just like a creative person and you've got to start thinking like a business owner and as a marketer. And that's where a lot of writers really have a hard time because it's hard to take off of that creative hat and put on that marketer hat or that business owner hat. It's a whole different thing. It's something I still, every day I still feel like I get up and I've got to wrestle this, this guy to the ground, you know, you know, of, of not just being the, the creative artistic writer person. I would love to just be that guy all day, but I've got to run a business too. Mm -hmm. And the business part is not always exciting, but it's really important and it's really necessary. Yeah. So, you know, for those of us who are wired to be artists in some way, I think putting that business owner hat on really can be a challenge, but, you know, and, and we have to learn to embrace it. Mm-hmm. And, and, to, and I think we have to learn to see business as its own form of creative energy because Absolutely. it really is. I mean, my goodness, anybody who can run a successful business that involves a lot of creative thinking and problem solve. Yeah. Yeah. So for sure. Maybe we've split the two things unfairly. Yeah. Well, I, and I think it's just, there's, there's an intimidation factor. I think that comes with words like marketing and publicity and, yeah. you know, we, we think, you know, sales, I mean, that we've had bad experiences, I think a lot of times yeah. on the other side of that. And so we carry that baggage with it also. I don't want to be the guy who's like pressuring people to buy something and like all sleazy and like, Hey, you know, um, so we therefore categorically try to throw out that whole thing. And yet we yeah. go, no, actually when sales is done right, we're helping people because we're solving a problem and totally. we're providing a solution, yep. not trying to strong arm somebody into buying something that they don't need or want. We're yeah. simply just trying to to talk about it in a way that people understand the connection and they see themselves in what it is that we're doing, the service or product we're providing yep. to say, this is actually going to help you. And so let's talk about that. And yeah. then it's more natural, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, like for example, it's still hard. <laughs> I mean, I woke up this morning and I'm like, our freezer, we've got a side-by-side frigidaire freezer. It's about seven years old and the freezer part's not working. And so I get up and I'm looking at it, you know, pretending I know what I'm doing or pretending I know what I'm looking for. And um, so I'm like, oh, well, I'm gonna have to have somebody come and look at it. So tomorrow we've got a guy coming, a frigidaire guy. And I want him to sell me on his solutions. Like I would much rather pay this guy to fix it and to solve my problem rather than having to go on YouTube and try to figure out how do you change a compressor or what do these wires do? I'm going to end up electrocuting myself if I try to do that, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure people out there listening who know what they're doing with that kind of stuff. They're like, well, I'm sure it's easy, but for me, it's not easy. So I I want to be sold that solution. And, you know, when sales, when it's good, it's really, really fun. You know, I I want people to bring their solutions to my problems and to fix my problems and sell me on those. And we're doing the exact same thing as salespeople as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And to have conversation around other creatives who are in this process also, I think is really helpful because sometimes somebody may be more naturally inclined to to one part of this, right? Then maybe they're uh, a little bit better at marketing uh, as opposed to sales or, or promotion or whatever. And mm-hmm. when we can get around each other and then start to to realize like, okay, we may have different skills and abilities, but we can talk about these things and help each other see some missing pieces, or we can partner together on some of these things. And we know we're all coming from the same place of we're creative people. And this is something that we're needing to step into and figure out 
and to have a safe place to be able to do that um, is is really huge. Um, so yeah. can you talk a little bit more about like your community and just how people can get into that and, and what that looks like? Sure. So it's called the Daily Writer Club. And I specifically called it a club because to call it like an academy or school, and, and those are those are fine terms, but I want it to be fun. We have a lot of fun in the Daily Writer Club. So this is a group where we meet once a week. We do a weekly call. Either I do a teaching call of some kind, or we have a guest expert come in, or we do a Q&A call. Sometimes we do a thing called a hot seat call where we have one or two people. We dive into their writing and their business really, really deeply for an hour. We also do a two-hour writing sprint every Wednesday before that call. Not everybody comes to the writing sprint, but a lot of the people do, actually. We come and we hop on Zoom for a few minutes. Then we shut off Zoom and we we get to work on whatever we're working on that day. Top of the hour, we get back on, do the same thing to the top of the next hour, and then we do our group call. And uh, I just, I find I really, really love running this group. It's a blast. We've got people who are publishing books and doing courses and speaking and starting their own groups and all kinds of things like that. So it's really, really fun. And really the whole impulse behind the Daily Writer Club, it is about the books and the publishing, but really more than anything else, the value of a group like this is that you come and these are your people. These are mm -hmm. people just like you who are working on books, who've gotten frustrated from trying to figure everything out on their own. And this is a supportive, encouraging, very positive mindset focus group that uh, we support each other and we help each other and we answer questions and we help equip you for the writing journey. So that's, yeah. that's pretty much what it's all about. Yeah. I love it too. Um, because you're, you're, there's alignment with us. I think even in this whole thing of, you're not just talking about these high level things, but you're actually giving practical steps and practical yeah. application points for people to go here, let's put into practice the things that we're talking about. So it's not just, you know, concepts and ideas and then go figure it out. But yep. let's walk through some of this stuff actually together. Totally. Yeah. One of the things we have in the group is called uh, it's the seven step writer's path. It's just a, a thing that I developed to help people see what are the steps to actually building a writing based business. So we talk about things like, okay, building your platform, publishing content on a regular basis, creating books, doing client work, if you want that to be part of your overall mix. Um, how do you go about networking? This is a thing we talk about a lot in the group mm, is yeah. how do you actually build relationships and build your network with people? That's something a lot of introverted writers struggle with because it seems like it requires so much emotional energy, but we show you how to do it in a way that's natural and simple and really, really effective. So just those kinds of things we talk about a lot because it's not just about the writing. It's also about the mindset and the way that you structure your business and having some goals and having a supportive group around you who can really help you with that stuff. The writing is only one small component of, I think, building an overall writing-based business. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got the podcast, which is another resource for people, and mm -hmm. it's free, obviously. So yeah. uh, just real quickly, like, what does that look like? So the podcast is a daily show because I felt like it would be weird to have a show called The Daily Writer if it wasn't a daily <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but also because I love short-form content. So... Five days a week, Monday through, well, it's Monday and Tuesday, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we have short episodes. They're like three, four minutes long on average, where I just talk about a really specific topic related to writing, and I give people a challenge for the day because I want them to actually do something with this information. So, for example, right now, I'm doing a series called, and of course, this 
this sh- this episode on your podcast will air later. But right now I'm doing a series called Clear the Clutter, where we're talking about just cleaning your life. How do you decide what books to keep? Uh, the importance of cleaning out your desk drawers, of getting organized, of answering your unanswered emails, you know, physically getting some Windex and cleaning your office. You know, these kinds of things that they're not focused on the words of writing, but they are focused on giving you a nice, clean, tidy environment, mentally, physically, and digitally. So like that's some of the kind of stuff that we talk about on the show. But then I do an interview once a week. And of course, Mike, you'll you'll be a guest here coming up pretty soon. And I typically do a longer teaching episode once a week. Not, not every week, but most weeks I do. Yeah. Again, love that it's so practical. And, you know, people are like, <clears throat> even if you're not a writer and you're listening to this, this episode, I would encourage people to, to make sure they check out your podcast. Because those other things, I think, regardless of your creative expression, those are all things that we can all relate to, right? Totally. <clears throat> a clean and tidy environment, making sure that we're, you know, organized and, you know, just that in and of itself, right? That yeah. can be a huge challenge. Um, but especially as I look around my own office right now and <laughs> I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> I should go listen to that as I'm cleaning up my office. But those are the things that are going to impact the work and the quality of work that we do, regardless yeah. of what that work specifically looks like. And so, um, yeah. You know, thank you for for showing up and doing those things, and, and thank you for providing those resources for fellow creative. Yeah, it's people. my pleasure. I love it. I yeah. love it. So, um, as we wrap up, just where can people find you? How can they, you know, lay some links on us and some some places where they can follow along? So the best place is go to dailywriterlife.com. That's where I have all my writing based stuff. There are daily blog posts, uh, daily podcast episodes. So the the podcast episodes really are the daily. Podcasts and the blog is really the same thing, just written in audio form. And there's also information about the Daily Writer Club as well, if people are interested in joining that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Kent, my friend, I really appreciate, again, all the things that you're doing. And um, I just look forward to, to watching this develop even further and just the places where we may continue to overlap and support each other. So thank you. Thank again. you. It's been a total honor. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.